Hey, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 as we talk about uh, uh, being called to greatness. Hebrews chapter 11, as we talk about being called to greatness, you know, there is a reality uh, that, um, that God has called each and every one of us. Uh, to uh, be who He wants us to be. And as I started this series, I thought about uh, where should I go to start this series and, and really kind of use this as a launching pad uh, to think about us being great. My guess is, uh, if you're like me, and, and many of you are like me, uh, we just navigate through the world, and we, uh, we don't consider ourselves uh, uh, the worst person in the world, nor would we consider ourselves the best person in the world. My guess is you don't consider yourself the least talented person in the world, but you probably also don't consider yourself the most talented in the world. But there is a reality that God calls each and every one of us uh, to be great in His eyes, to be great in His sight not because of our own righteousness and not because of our self-righteousness and not because of who we are, but simply because we are faithful. And when we go and start this, um, this series called to Greatness, and we start in Hebrews chapter 11, I, I want you to know that when we look at this role of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, it ought to remind us that uh, there are a lot of men in this chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, that are listed in the Hall of Faith, or the Hall of Fame for the Gospel, or the Hall of Fame of the Bible. And in each one of these cases, none of these men were perfect. None of these men were great in and of themselves. But they each had some uniqueness in following their call from God. There are some guys in here, my guess is, uh, if, if, if we knew all these guys that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, if we knew all these men who were listed in chapter 11, let's say that we were in their life group together. Let's say we were in church together. And all of a sudden, you and I were called, hey, I want you to mention, I want you to make a list of the greatest men in Cottonwood Creek Church or the greatest men in your life group. My guess is, guys, we wouldn't put some of these guys in our list. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you went to church with Samson, would you put him in your list of greatness? No, we would say, man, what an unrighteous guy. That guy can't control his passions. No way. Uh, we would probably put David in there, but you know, we're Baptist, right? I don't know that we would put David in there because he had his little problem, right? And we think about other men here. Uh, Noah was good until he got off the ark, right? And then he had the drinking problem, right? See, a lot of times, guys, you and I would eliminate people from greatness in God's eyes because of a character flaw or a mistake that they made, a failure that, that we would never forget. And sometimes, sadly, we might even use against them. 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years down the road. But it's interesting when we look from God's perspective that God will give us some men in Hebrews chapter 11 that we're like, man, how did they get there? How, how did they get there? And so as we think today about being called to greatness, the first step I want to talk about, if you and I are going to be great, we have to be men of incredible faith. All right? We've got to be men of faith. And that's where it starts. And that's why we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11 today. We're going to talk about what it means uh, to be men of faith. Let me just ask you a question. And guys online, guys in the room, uh, just quickly, this is going to be a little bit unique. Uh, let me just ask you, 
if you were, what do you do in your life? And I, I want you to yell out. I want you, what do you do in your life that pleases God? Some discipline, some habits. What are some things online or whatever? What are some things that please God? Huh? Studying God's Word? Okay. Something else. Just throw something out there that, that you know pleases God. Huh? Witnessing. Witnessing pleases God. Prayer pleases God. Obedience. Service. Love it. Obedience. Service. Keep going. Giving. What's that? Giving. Giving. Huh? Praying. Got praying. Two for prayer. Something else. Loving repentance, others. repentance. What was something else on here, online? Loving others. Loving others, absolutely. How many of you would say that those all please God? We'd all say those please God. Do you realize that they can or they can't? They can or they can't? If you do all of those without faith, they don't please God. They're just works. You've just become a legalist. You're just doing some things. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? I said, from the Bible, right? It, it says in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 8, without faith it is impossible to please God. You can pray all you want, but if you have no faith, it doesn't please God. You can serve at church all you want. And uh, if you don't have faith, it doesn't please God. We can give all we want. There are a lot of people who are as far from God as you can possibly imagine. And we hear all the time about the gates of the world that giving away their fortune or their billions or whatever. They're, they're figuring out a way to survive, though, I think, just barely get by. Um, but, you know, there is a reality that a lot of times we can do a lot of these things, and they don't please God at all. Why? Because we don't live lives of faith. And so if you and I are, are going to truly please God, regardless of what it is, we know that we have to live with faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. That's where we'll be as Justin will move back and forth and I'm going to I've just got him in Hebrews chapter 11. I will I will read a couple other scriptures to fill in the blanks on some of these, but I really want you to write down six ideas about growing a great faith. Six ideas today about growing a great faith if we're going to live lives uh, of pure greatness. But notice what it says, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. It says and Without faith. Everybody say without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone to, who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That's where it all starts for every guy in this room. That we have to come to a place that we understand and believe and know that God exists. Uh, Byron talked a few seconds ago as he introduced himself about teaching systematic theology and apologetics. Apologetics is all, all about defending the faith. But in the essence, to me, of apologetics and the core of apologetics is honestly looking at the reality that there are so many reasons to absolutely believe there is a God. When we look at the universe, we look at the design of the universe, we think about all that has taken place and all that has happened. And interestingly enough, the more scientific discoveries we make uh, about the human genome or, or about the universe that exists, we're like, there is no way that this happened by accident. If you struggle with your faith, I want to encourage you, dig in. 
Dig into the facts. Dig into the realities. Pick up some books. Frank Turk's got a great book. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. There's another one, The Story of Reality, right there by Gregory Cole. That's a great book. And I want to encourage you, man, begin to dive in. Begin to teach your kids. Man, why we believe in God. And then if you look through, then you ask yourself the question, now that we know there is a God, how do we know that God spoke to us? Why would we believe at all that God spoke to us? And then even more so, why would God speak to us through this individual, Jesus Christ? Go look at the evidences of the resurrection. Go look at the Messianic prophecies that were given hundreds of years before Christ ever showed up, pointing to the place and the person and who and the events of his life, all the way down to the exact amount of coins his friends would sell him for. And man, you look at all that and you go, man, there are good reasons to believe. And now that I have the reasons to believe, I can live that out. I can have faith in order that I could please God. Why? Because when I come to Him, I know He exists. Then, when I pray and I serve and I give and I love others and I witness and I share, then I know because of my confirmed faith, then I know that I will in fact be rewarded by God. I want you to know as a child of God, as a man, there is nothing wrong with wanting God to reward you. I want you to know there's nothing selfish about that. There's nothing wrong. All right, guys, there isn't. How many of you like it, or you know, some of you are retired, but how many of you liked it when your boss or, your, uh, or, or the corporation rewarded you? Maybe with a Christmas bonus or a quarterly bonus. I preferred them, right? I, I like them. That's what we prefer. Why? Especially if we've worked hard, that we love to be rewarded. There is nothing wrong with you and I desiring to be rewarded by God. Ultimately, the, 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 the greatest reward we will ever get, we had nothing to do with, right? It's forgiveness of sins. The gift of eternal life. I mean, we had nothing to do that. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift. Everybody say gift. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works. Man, the greatest reward that you and I will ever get from God, we had nothing to do with. Zero. Zilch. Nada. However, then after we have faith in Christ and we live in relationship with God, everything we do has a potential reward. If we do it with the right heart and with the right attitude for the right reasons to honor God and His kingdom and His glory, then we can, in fact, be rewarded. And so I want you to know, there are a couple of powerful points just from that verse. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We've got to have faith. And so if we need faith, we need faith, then we've got to grow. Why? Because anyone who believes, uh, who comes down, must believe He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I love what Jude said in Jude 20. He says, build your lives on your most holy faith. So guys, that word faith, it is something, if we're going to be called to greatness, we've got to grow a great faith. And Jude says, man, build your life on the most holy faith. So this is the foundation. This is the base. Uh, talked about building houses, man. Man, if your foundation is off, if it is wrong, if it's shambled, not only when you build a house, when you repair. Uh, we've got a guy in here, foundation repair. And you walk into a house and you see the foundation is a little wobbly, a little wobbly, it's a problem. It doesn't really matter at that point. 
If the foundation isn't right, it doesn't matter that much about the wiring in the house unless you get the foundation right. And this is the foundation. The idea of faith is ultimately the foundation. So let me give you a couple of thoughts. If we're called to greatness and we're going to have a great life and a great opportunity to serve God and love God, here are a couple of thoughts, and they're all going to come from men that we see right here in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, a chapter that is filled with men, guys, that a lot of times, if you and I were making a Cottonwood Creek greatest hits, and some men lived lives like this, you and I wouldn't put them on our list. So let that, first of all, be a challenge, first of all, to you individually. If you look back on your life and you say, could I ever be considered great in the kingdom of God, in God's eyes? considering where I've been and what I've done, I'm just going to encourage you, look at Hebrews chapter 11. Here's the second part of that, guys. Yeah, that applies to you, but it also applies to you looking at other people. If you look around at other people and you begin to write people off in the faith, I'm going to encourage you to go read Hebrews chapter 11. Give them an opportunity to say, listen, I don't care what you've done with an attitude of repentance and restoration and righteousness. If you'll begin to serve God, God's got great plans for you. And so as we journey through life, man, first of all, we got to celebrate the fact that we are forgiven and we can show up in our own hall of faith, in our church, in our life group, in our deacon body, in our place, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our family even. But we can also live with the idea that we don't need to write people off. So let me give you six ideas. First idea is this. If you and I are going to grow a great faith so we can be called to greatness, we have to realize that faith is going to require me to believe and trust God even when I do not see it. Even when I do not see it. There might be some things going on in your life that you don't see it, but you sense that you've got to trust and walk on. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? Look at verse 1. Verse 1, here, here's what the writer of the book of Hebrews says. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. There are a lot of things about our lives that you and I don't see. Uh, I, I want you to know I wake up every morning just like this morning. I didn't see God this morning. Anybody, anybody in here see God? If you did, don't tell us about it. You'll either scare us to death or we'll never talk to you again. All right? I, I didn't, right? I didn't. But I believe He exists. I know that He exists. I believe that Christ, the, Christ lived. But we have to see things even though we don't see it. We have to trust in God even though we don't see Him. And faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. If we're back to the housing, what, when you go to an architect, before an architect gets all the plans on the piece of paper, they have to see the house in their mind, don't they? Before they ever get it down on the ground. They've got to see it. Now, then they begin, begin to draw a little bit, and then they make changes. But you and I have to see it. We have to see the grand plan of God. And we have to acknowledge that I don't know how it's all going to work out. There are a lot of things. I don't know about you, but this has kind of been a crazy year, right? 
There are some things, if I had been God, I would have done a little bit differently. Am I the only guy, right? Am I the only guy that would have done something a little differently from about March 17th of last year or whatever uh, till about right now? Would anybody have done anything different or would you think it's all perfect? Okay, y'all are either way more godly or you're just, you're lying to God and everybody right here, right? But here's what I know. Here's what I know. I'm not God. And from God's perspective, he can see things that I cannot see. He can see things that I cannot see. So for you and I to truly be great, we can't walk around whining about everything and complaining about everything and wishing this was here and that was there. Let me just tell you what, when it comes to political system in our country, FYI, it's broken. <laughs> FYI, it's always been broken. All right? We've had good presidents, we've had bad presidents. We've had good Supreme Court justices, we have bad Supreme Court justices. This has never been a perfect nation, it never will be a perfect nation. I hope it's going to be a better nation, but I truly don't know, all right? But here's what I know. God is still in charge. And if you and I can never see that, we will never be great in the kingdom of God, why? Because we will get stuck in the skirmishes on Facebook, we will be whining about this and that. We'll be complaining we don't have the president that we want or the vice president we want or the Supreme Court that we want. Let me just tell you, all that may well be valid. But guys, you and I need to step back and say God is still in control. And so I need to do what I need to do, my job. You know, there's, there's a phrase, a couple of really good coaches, uh, it gets quoted a lot right now. We'll, we'll look at their players, whether it's on the basketball court or, or the football field, and someone's over there just, you know, you got some great athlete over there complaining or not everybody's not doing this or it's not going my way. You ever seen a coach just look at him and say, just do your job, right? How many of you understand what I'm You do your job. In the kingdom of God, guys, you do your job. I need to do my job. And this is, by the way, this isn't me getting on you. It's a, it's a challenge to me because when I look at what's going on, man, I'm sitting there going, golly, I feel like that happened. That was wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. I see a lot that was wrong. But here's what I know. For me to truly be called and to achieve the greatness that God wants me to be is I need to be willing to have faith even when I don't see it. And boy, we live in that season right now. And so, guys, we need to step back if we're going to be who God wants us to be and say God is still in control. Here's the second thing. We saw that in verse 1. Here's one thing. Faith, a great faith, lives a generous, giving life. Faith lives a generous, giving life. If you just jump down to verse 4, notice what it says. Verse 4, first guy that is mentioned in the Hall of Faith. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Then it says, by faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Now, notice what it says. Here's what it says. It says, by faith, Abel brought a better offering. Okay. Bringing an offering to God is good. Bringing your best offering to God is really good. We need to learn, if we're going to truly be men who have a great faith, is we need to live generous lifestyle. 
But then beyond that, notice what it says, he brought a better offering than Cain did, and it says, by faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. So guys, what we want to do is when we come and we bring, and I'm not just talking about money here. When I bring my time and my talents and my energy and my ability, when I bring things to God, I want to give things to God generously that I understand are given out of a pure heart and a right heart and a righteous heart so that God can commend my offering. Now, I love this last phrase. You may not pick up on it. And by faith, Abel still speaks. Everybody say, still speaks. Even though he's dead. Guys, how many of you would love to be remembered after you're dead? Let's be honest. I'm not, I'm not inviting you to die today, okay? I just, so you don't have to sign up today. Remembered for good. Yeah, yeah, I want to be remembered for good. Exactly, exactly, good record. We want to be remembered, right? If you want to be remembered by God and by others, live a generous life. Be generous with your offerings. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm not just talking about dropping it in there. That's an aspect. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your energy. Be generous with your talents. Be generous with your abilities. Be generous in God's house. Be generous in your community. Be a generous, generous man. Why? Because my prayer is, long after I'm gone, that I'll have the opportunity through my life, through my words, through my relationships, through my generosity, through my caring for others, simply preaching the gospel, just being as consistent as I can be, that my life will still speak. Don't we want our lives to speak? We want our lives to speak in our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids, but we also want our lives to speak after we're dead in our church and in our community. Let me tell you what, there are some people that I look back on our church when I came 25 years ago that their lives are still speaking in my life today. Claire and Berryman, he was, I think he was 28 years in the military. He was the chairman of the stewardship committee when I first came to First Baptist Church Fairview. Mr. Berryman is the way we referred to him. And anytime he called the office and said, John Mark, you got a man, I said, yes, sir. That's the way he lived. But he was constantly sitting there saying, whatever's best for this church, whatever's best for this church, whatever's best for this church. He still speaks today. Long after he's passed away, he still speaks today. I want to still speak. Guys, I want you to still speak in your family, in your church, in your community, in your life, with your talents, with your ability, with your resources. If we do, do what? If we are willing to give faithfully, Everything that God has given us. I love that idea that Abel brought a better offering. And Abel still speaks today. But guys, if we don't bring offerings to God, if we don't give our best to God, your life will no longer speak. If we live our lives as a selfish miser, that we are always wanting give me, give me, give me, and never I want to give to you, then we're going to miss the best that God has for us. And the remembrance of you will be momentary after we're ultimately gone. Here's the third aspect of faith that I see as I just think about it and look. Faith is obeying God even when I don't get it. 
Faith is obeying God even when I don't get it. I'll give you a couple of exhibits here. Uh, go to verse 7. Jump down to verse 7. Exhibit number one, faith is obeying God even when I don't get it, even when it doesn't make sense, uh, even when I don't understand it. Uh, look at verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah. How many of you remember Noah? Uh, Noah, uh, y'all probably remember the, the humorous, the comedian a couple of years ago, Noah, what? It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, that is, keeping of the faith, uh, keeping with faith. Can you imagine? God shows up to Noah, said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark. Who was the comedian? Was it Flip Wilson or was it Bill Cosby? The, Cosby? Was it Cosby? Okay, so everybody knows what I'm talking about. And he goes, I want you to build an ark. And he says, what's an ark? Explain that. How many y'all at least remember that? What's an ark, right? What do I need an ark for? Well, flood. What's a flood? Well, it happens after it rains. Well, what's rain? You know, and, and you're sitting there going all the way through. Noah, at any point, could have said, you know, I just don't get that. It doesn't make sense. So you want me to build a big old thing you call an ark, we know as a boat. And I want you to put, a, you want me to put a bunch of animals on there because there's going to be a flood, although there's never been rain. We've never seen it before. I've got no architectural plans. I've got no design. But God looks at him and says, here's what I want you to do. There are times in your life and in my life that God might ask us and may well ask you, man, do something you don't get. And God just simply says, trust me. If you and I are going to be ultimately called to greatness, there are going to be those intersections in our life with what I understand and what God calls me to do and my understanding and my knowledge are not going to connect up. I'm not going to get it. And that's the only reason why, and, and in that moment, the only thing we can do is step back and remember what God said through Isaiah the prophet. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. He says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my thoughts above yours. There are times that you and I are simply going to have to grow a great faith by trusting God when he asks us to do something, even though we don't get it. Even though we don't get it, I can tell you as a pastor of this church now for coming up on 26 years, there are still a lot of things I don't get. The people will say, hey, pastor, why would God allow this to happen? I want you to know. More and more in my ministry, in my life, I say I don't know. Back years ago, I always thought I used to have, the, have, to have the answer. Well, God's doing it because of this, and God's doing it because... Sometimes I step back, and more and more these days, I don't get it. It, it, you know, it hurts. I don't see it. So you and I need to understand, obeying even when I don't get it. Exhibit number one, no. Here's exhibit number two. Jump down to verse eight. What about Abraham? It says, verse eight, by Abraham. Abraham, when he was called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. He, pray, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Exhibit number one, Noah didn't know what an ark was. He didn't get the flood. He didn't know what was going on, but he obeyed God. Here's Abraham. Abraham's been over um, in the land uh, of Ur of the Chaldees, uh, and, and God shows up to Abraham. And he says, I want to bless you, but I want you to go to a place. 
I want you to make a transit. I want you to leave one place. I want you to go to another place. And my guess is Abram had the thought, can't you just bless me right here? Let me tell you what, guys, if, if you are content with where you are spiritually, and I'm not just talking about location, geography. If you are content with you where you are spiritually, don't ever expect God's greatest blessings. God's greatest blessings is when we are willing to take where we are now spiritually and be willing to move to where God wants us to be. And that's exactly what we see right here. Abraham says, well, I don't really know why I need to move. I don't know why I need to, trans, uh, you know, to, to go to a different place. I don't know what's wrong with this place. But notice what it says. But he obeyed God and went. God, guys, where is God trying to draw you from? Here, let me give you a, a third example. It's not in Hebrews 11. Maybe it's in your life. What is God calling you to do that you don't get? Where is God calling you to go in your own spiritual journey? I can tell you this, a um, couple of things may not make any sense. God may ask you to give something that doesn't make sense to you from time to time. God may ask you to, to serve somewhere that doesn't make any sense. God may ask you to do something that you don't necessarily get. But I want you to know, if we're truly going to build a great faith, if we only operate in a level of life where it's got to make sense to me before I do it, you will miss some of the greatest blessings in God's life, God, God has for you in your life. We will. If we always want it figured out, if we always want to have the I's dotted and the T's crossed in our spiritual journey, in our spiritual life, we will, in fact, miss the best that God has for us. You say, Pastor, what does God want me to do? I, I don't know. But here's what I know God doesn't want you to do. Okay, I can't tell you exactly what God does want you to do, but I can tell you what He doesn't want you to do. God doesn't want you to not ever serve him and his kingdom. God doesn't want you to never give generously to his kingdom. God doesn't ever want you to not be concerned about someone else reaching, uh, being reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God never wants us to be selfish. God never wants us to be sinful. Those are some things that I know God doesn't want us to do. So if that is your space and that is your life, I want you to know that is not what God has for you. And I say that talking and teaching out of a passage called the, the, the Hall of Faith, which is filled with flawed men. But guys, there's what I know. Is while I don't know exactly what ark God will call you to build in your life or what place Abraham, like Abraham, God will want you to serve. Here's what I know. If you're not serving, if you're not building his kingdom, if you're not living generously, if you're not serving, if you're not using your spiritual gift, all of those things, if you're not doing that, I will promise you that is not where God wants you the rest of your life. He wants you in a different place, building something different. And I'm not just talking about location, I'm talking about spiritually. Here's the fourth thought. If you and I are going to be called to greatness and we're going to have a great faith, it means that our faith has to be the kind of uh, faith that persists even in the midst of hard times. 
that we've got to have a little stick to We've got to have some persistence. We've got to have some diligence. You say, where do you see that? Look down to uh, Moses. Go down to verse 23. Justin says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. And because they saw what, uh, that he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid. Now jump down to verse 24. It says, uh, by faith, Moses. There's that word faith again. When he had grown up, he refused to be known as, Pharaoh's, uh, uh, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Then look at verse 27. It says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, and then he per persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now, what does that mean? Notice as you jump back up, it says Moses made a choice to not be known, to not grow up, to not live as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want you to know, living, growing up in Pharaoh's house would be a good gig. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody in here grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth? I didn't. Uh, but he had that opportunity. But he chose not to. And for you and I, we need to understand there are going to be times that we're going to find ourselves in a difficult space, in a difficult season because we've been faithfully serving God. So listen to this. Not only did Moses reject the idea when he was in Egypt to grow up as Pharaoh's daughter, uh, as Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but then when he was out in the desert, what happened? Man, he had to just toil and toil and toil and toil until he eventually saw God. And so guys, if you're in one of those spaces where you feel like, man, I am just in the middle of the desert. Think back. Are you there because that's where God wants you to be? If so, just be faithful and persevere Keep doing what God has called you to do. Here's the fifth idea. And we see it down in verse 30. Jump down to verse 30. Faith is thanking God even before I receive it. Boy, if we think about the perseverance of Moses that he just, man, he was willing to say, I don't want to grow up in Pharaoh's house. Instead, I want to serve God. Then I'm on the backside of the desert. What a difficult thing. But notice this. It's thanking God even before I receive it. Jump down to verse 30. It says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around for seven days. Man, as we think about this, so God says, listen, Jericho, and the children of Israel are wondering, can we take on Jericho? They're, they're, they're a large city. It's a fortified city. It's a well-established city. It's one of the cities probably that 40 years earlier, a little 40 years earlier, the spies had gone in and said, man, it is a land that is filled with uh, uh, honey and fruit, and it's a wonderful land, but there are enemies in the land that we cannot defeat. 
And remember, 10 of the spies actually led all the children of Israel to walk around in the desert. Why? Because there were fortified fortresses. Now you come back, Jericho, although it may not have been one of those cities specifically, it's like the city, right? These people knew how to fight. They knew how to battle. They knew how to defend themselves. And notice what happened. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Day one. They were told to march around. What did they do? They marched around. Why? Because they were believing God. They had faith, right? Day two, they marched around. Why did they walk around or walk, walk, march around? Because God had told them to march around. Why did they do it? Because they believed God. They had faith. Just day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. They had to wait to see God move. A lot of times, guys, here's what we need to understand, is I think a lot of us stop walking around the cities that God wants to give us, the things in our lives that God wants to give us. We stop walking after day two, after day three, maybe after day four, sometimes after day five, and a lot of times after day six. Why? We just kind of say, well, I guess nothing's going to happen in my life. This wouldn't be in here if they stopped after five this wouldn't be in here if they stopped after five days, six days. How many times in your life or in my life or how many times as a church could, could, could we only go about halfway for God? That we could spend three days or four days or five days or six days or three weeks or four weeks or five weeks or six weeks or three years or four years or five years or six years and we never make it to that seventh year or that seventh month or that seventh week or that seventh day. Guys, are there some things in your life that you are just faithfully doing and faithfully doing and faithfully doing and you have, you know God has called you to do it and you're kind of getting weary? I want to encourage you to just keep walking. Because growing a great faith means that I can walk and serve God by faith in obedience, thanking God before it ever shows up. Because there is going to come a day when God's going to say, go ahead, toot your horn and watch what happens. If we are willing to faithfully follow God, here's the sixth aspect right here. Faith is trusting God, guys. Sometimes even when we don't get it. And when I'm talking about get it this time, I'm talking about actually receive it. See, because there is a reality in our faith that um, we may not receive the great inheritance here on this earth. Now, we're ultimately, as believers and followers of Christ, we're going to receive the greatest inheritance in heaven. But there are times that we can journey through life and we won't see the fulfillment of what we believe that God had promised to us in this life. That's where I want us to pick it up. Look at verse 39 and 40. It says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what ultimately had been promised, since God had planned something better for us. Listen to those. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Now, if you go back 
jump back up to verse 35 it says women received their dead uh, raised from their their, their dead raised from uh, raised uh, to life again the uh, there were others who were um, tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment uh, they were put to death by stoning and they were uh, and they were sawed in two they were killed by the sword does that sound exciting to anybody anybody want to sign up for those jobs um, they went about uh, in sheepskins and goatskins destitute persecuted and mistreated the world was not worthy of them they wandered in deserts and in mountains living in caves and even holes in the ground then it says those verse verse 39 yet none of them received what had been promised you know guys to have a great pay, great faith some of us um, just need to trust God even when it doesn't appear that we get it but if you and I are going to be great in God's kingdom it starts with building a great faith and those are six ideas that I would love for you to go home and those who might be listening afterwards on our podcast that you would measure a life based on those six aspects and say do I have a great faith let's pray father thank you so much for this day God thank you for an opportunity just to gather with these men and those who will hear this podcast even beyond I pray that we would all have a great faith that we'd have a growing faith that we would understand we're called to greatness but it starts with faith in jesus name we pray amen, amen. and amen god bless